In today's show, we're looking at the Milwaukee Bucks and their regular season, Mick Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. We're here to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. This is... The last pre-recorded show. The next time you see me, I'll be back in Australia from France, fingers crossed, recording live. So I won't be out of date with news, hopefully. Recording this on the 19th of April. So a lot of stuff may have happened with the Bucks. We're talking about their regular season. That's done. That's in the books. I can't debate that. 51 and 31 this season. They have picked 24 in the draft. They don't have a second round. I think that's part of the punishment for the Bogdan Bogdanovich failed tra- trade. But they only have their first round, which is pick 24 in this year's draft. They had the third best offense and the 14th best defense. They did fall off defensively this year. I think a large part of that was missing Brook Lopez for most of the season. They outperformed their win, uh, expected win, their point differential a little bit by a couple of games. But overall, they were just really solid and yeah, arming themselves for another run at the title. By the time you listen to this, maybe they're knocked out. I don't know. But they uh, put themselves in a pretty good spot to push forward for another NBA title. In terms of the offseason... Serge Barker is an unrestricted free agent. He came across in a trade at the deadline. He's not that important to them. I don't think they'll worry too much there. There's two guys with player options, or three guys actually, with player options. One of those is Thanasis Antetokounmpo. I'd expect that he picks that up because I don't think he's making $1.9 million anywhere else. Punch Bob, $4.5 million. That's an absolute steal of a contract. Bobby Portis has... Remember when Bobby Portis signed that big deal with the Knicks and how bad it was? Um, but he's accepted what his role is. He's like, I want to be on this team. I like this team. I like my role. I know my role. I'm a backup. I do this. I fill in when needed. Money is not as important to me. And that is, you know, for as much shit as I've given Portis in the past, that's massively respectful to me to understand your position, enjoy what you're doing, understand, the, I guess, the privilege of being in a winning position and playing basketball and getting paid money. Sure, he could probably go out and get $10 million a year somewhere. And he might do that. Maybe he exercises his player option and says, I want to go to a bad team and get $15 million. He's already done that once. It didn't work out particularly well. And I imagine there were a lot of mental scars in that for Portis for the way that things went in his time in New York. And he's like, I've got the money. Like, I just like being here, and this is my new role. It's a huge bargain for the Bucks, but it's, maybe it's helpful for his own health as well. Paddy Conton's also got a $5.7 million player option. I think that's probably about his level too. Maybe he could squeeze out an 8 or $9 million deal somewhere else, but maybe like Portis, he just wants to be in this situation where he's a really key part on a very good team, a key rotation piece. And I think he'll probably just pick that up and, and keep going. They've got Jordan Wara as a restricted guy. I've been impressed with Wara this season, and I think that ideally they would like, fingers crossed, or sorry, I would like, for him to overtake Grayson Allen in the rotation. Now, they've signed Allen to an $18 million extension, which kicks in next season, two years, $18 million. I would love for Nwora to be able to take that role off him. And I think they would look to retain him. He's probably not going to cost a huge amount, 
But he's a guy that if I was other teams, I'd be looking into. I think he's got some real sixth-man upside potential. Javon Carter and Wes Matthews, who are rotation players for them, they're both unrestricted as well. Wes took until halfway through the season to be signed, basically, which is pretty weird. He still can give enough to teams. He's going to sign on a contender. I think he'll probably be back in Milwaukee. As for Carter, he gave them a little bit. I don't really buy him as a long-term player. They've also got Luca Vildoza and Rajon Tucker, who they signed late in the season. They've got non-guarantees. Maybe they keep him around. I don't know if Vildoza's got anything to offer the NBA. Tucker's had a few opportunities and never really given us anything, while uh, Mama Kalashvili and Lindell Wigington, they're two two-way guys. Yeah. Mamu showed a little bit at times this season, but nothing massively. And I don't really think Wigington is a future NBA rotation player really at all. And so that's how their offseason shapes up contract-wise. But Built Bar-wise, I'm here to tell you about it. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. And instead of getting one of those protein bars you get at the supermarket, which we all know tastes like the inside of somebody's calf, like nobody wants to eat one of those. You do it because you have to. Built Bar is the alternative. It's the best. It's the preferable alternative because it tastes great. tastes like a candy bar. It's low in calories, low in fat, low in sugar, low in carbs, but it's high in protein. Most of these bars are 17 grams of protein. The flavors are great. And there's their new puffs, which is protein-infused marshmallow. I've got the lemon-dipped cheesecake. Love that flavor. But there's also, in the regular bars, there's the cookies and cream, goat. There's coconut, raspberry, strawberry, mint, peanut butter, um, salted caramel, and special editions they throw out there all the time. The old BBSEs. Unbelievable value, unbelievable taste, and the health and protein is great. So head to built.com, use the code LOCK15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll save 15% off your order of Built Bars. Built Bar is built different. Let's talk players. Start with the big fella. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Yeah, he was the 10th ranked player this year, Yanni. He had an ADP of five. He ended up... 30, 11 and a half and 6, 1.1 steals, 1.4 blocks, 1.1 threes, 55 and 72. They're just elite numbers. They are unbelievably good numbers. And you'll look at him and say, well, he was 10th and you picked him 5th. It's a, it's a loss. It's not really. Because if you picked him, you went, I know his free throws are bad. His free throws improved a lot. But 72 on 11 attempts is still a gigantic, massive, massive negative. And unless he gets to 77% or 76%, he's a punt free throw player. Volume is important. If your team shoots 72% from the line, you will lose that category every week, basically. And because his volume is just so high that he drags you right down, it's easier to recover from 72 than it is from 67, but he drags you down. No problem with him being a top three fantasy pick. And in points leagues, you can't go away from that. He was the second ranked player averaging 57 fantasy points. He is a top three, top two, top one player in points leagues. In category leagues, though, you know, when you're looking at Jokic, and then who's two? It's maybe him. Interestingly, he played fewer games than Joel Embiid this season, and the knee for him is a issue that he's not talked about enough. Over the last two to three years, he has missed weird games with knee problems. Not extended time, not three months, not two months, but he'll miss a week here, spotty games here, and in the end, he missed 15 games because of, of those sort of problems this year. Um, and that's something that I do worry about as he gets older. He's still only 27, though. He's an MVP finalist. His advanced stats are obviously unbelievably good uh, on every format. I don't really need to go in and talk too much about how good Giannis is. Can he still improve from here? Probably yes, just through free throw shooting and three-point volume. 
Everything else, though, like it's just sort of going to be what it is, isn't it? Not really going to see massive improvements from 30, 11 and a half and 6 with oversteel and 1.5 blocks. Like That's just sort of what it's going to be. But that can improve by going from 72 to 75. A tough ask, but it can still do that over the next couple of seasons. Drew Holiday was picked at number 42 in drafts. He ended up as the 32nd best player. That's fine. He was a third, fourth round guy. He returned third, fourth round value. He's 32, though. He played 67 games, 18, four and a half and seven, 1.6 deals. Had some struggles early in the season. Legitimately, people asked me or told me that they dropped him, which was, of course, crazy. He recovered to put up some good numbers, but at his age, with that ankle problem, you have to worry about where it goes a little bit from here. He got by into that ranking spot on the back of assists and steals. The 1.6 deals is what worries me a bit. If that goes to 1.3, then that's a 15 spot drop, probably right there. And the assists, I think that'll stick. He also shot 50%, including 41 from three and 55 from two. And one thing we know about Drew is that he hasn't been the most reliable, consistently good three-point shooter. Advanced numbers are still unbelievably good. He's so good defensively. His EPM was 98th percentile. That, that's, those stats loved him. He hit his mid-ranges at a level, which gives me some fear that that might drop off 51%. I don't worry about his defense. I worry about the steal rate. I don't worry about his defense. I don't worry about his passing. I worry about a little bit of the offensive efficiency. And as he gets a little bit older, does the 18 points become 16 and a half? Does he start to move into a Mike Conley career trajectory where he's still really, really impactful, but instead of 33, he can only play 31. And then he becomes 16, 4, and 6. And then he becomes 14, 4, 3, and 5 or something over the next three years. I reckon that's probably... It's probably where it's headed, even though he's still great now. We don't think of Drew as being 32 years old because he has just continued to improve over the last three, four years. He's gotten better and better and better. But at some point, there is going to be a drop for Drew and it's going to cause a 10-spot rank drop, 20-spot, 25. And you'll see that start to come, I think, over the next couple of seasons. Chrissy Middleton, just is there a more consistent bloke in the NBA in terms of just finishing in that third-round range? 34th this year, he's picked 36th. Bilk is just always in that area. He's also going to be 31 next year. 32 minutes, 20 points, 5 rebounds, 5.5 assists, 1.2 steals, 44-89. He did lose a little bit efficiency-wise this season. He'd previously been just an excellent three-point shooter, a 50-40-90 guy, but that dropped way off, but still was able to put up good numbers, maintained it on strong efficiency numbers. He's really, really solid. Drew was better than him, I thought, most of this season, if not all of this season, but still he was very, very impactful for most of the year. I think he's probably got another year at left at this level. The worry, again, you're going to have is that efficiency drop. Does that ever recover? And then do we see a, a, a drop in that usage? I don't think that comes for a couple of years. It's not like he's getting by on 30 usage. He's at 26. He'll be in this third to fourth round range. He'll be completely unsexy with zero upside, but a very, very solid floor. And I think that's pretty useful in this range in fantasy drafts. Let's talk Punch Bob, who was picked at 134. Right, rightfully so, I think, because... We didn't expect him to be a 46% three-point shooter like he was the year before, which propelled him to around top 100 numbers. And he was still a very good three-point shooter, 39%. But as I will always say, and I always want—I say it repeatedly because I wanted to drum into you guys', you guys heads, is that when someone shoots at that level, you can expect them to still be good, but you can't expect them to be outlier good. And 39% is still a, an unbelievable level of shooting. It's 84th percentile. Right? That's how good that is. But... Going from 46 to 39 is a gigantic drop. 
it's probably equivalent of over half a three a game, maybe 0.83s per game. Going from, holy shit, that's an impossible level to maintain to, hey, you are a really good three-point shooter. And from the outside, you go, you can look at it and go, what are you talking he's still, he's still awesome. 39% is still great. Yeah, it is. But it has a big impact in what the overall value is. Now, that was offset, which again might lead to some confusion. That was offset by the fact that Brook Lopez didn't play. So Portis, instead of playing 22 minutes a night, played 30 minutes a night. Ended up with 28, but most of the season he was at 30. He averaged 14 and 9. He does nothing defensively. He doesn't get to the line, but he's even not that good there. And he shot 48 from the field. So if we look at these numbers and go, he was 75th last season, he'll draft at 75 again. I reckon you'll be wrong. The only caveat to that is, is if something happens with Brook Lopez and they just install him as their permanent starting center. I don't think they will. Lopez will get too soon. But you reckon you've got one more year of Portis being a backup? I think he'll come back. I talked about his player option already. I think he'll pick that up. And then the year after that, which will be 23-24, then he'll be 28. And I think he'll be the starting center for a couple of years and be able to be a top 70 player. But I'm not sure that'll happen this upcoming season. We'll see. Portis' advanced stats were pretty strong, even defensively. He was better than he's been in the past. You have to like what he did this season with his efficiency numbers, his advanced numbers. He's never going to be a high shot blocker or steals guy, but I just thought he was a, a really important player, really impactful player, especially after the way the end of last season went, where there were times in the playoffs where he got DMP'd because he just was unplayable. Um, didn't talk about the on-off stuff. Drew was a plus 14, Giannis a plus 11, Middleton a plus 5, and Portis a plus 8. There's some interesting numbers, aren't they? Hmm. Let's talk Brook Lopez, who only played 13 games. He's 34. We know that at this age, it's going to be tough for him to play big minutes. He won't do that. He only ended up playing 23 minutes a night, 12 and 4, 1.2 blocks, 47 and 87, 135th ranked player. I think that next season, you're looking at him as a 26 minute a night player at age 34, getting towards 35. Top 100 is probably not going to be realistic. I think there's no upside in picking him late in drafts. He'll be an impactful player for them. He'll block one shot a game. He'll hit some threes. He'll score. He won't rebound very well. He'll just sort of do Brook Lopez things. He was a guy that I was pretty down on drafting. I think his ADP was like 80 or 90 this year, so it was too high for me. Um, I think he's useful. He's very useful as a player and can have fantasy value, but there's just no upside. So it'd be a guy that I'd rather just take flyers on guys. Like this year, it would have been a Jordan Poole flyer or a Tyrese Maxey flyer. You take those flyers on guys, and if they don't work out, and Lopez is on the wire, you add him. And if you miss out on him, it doesn't actually matter, like because the upside is not that particularly high in what Brook Lopez can bring you. But BetOnline.net brings you a lot. It's your number one source, in fact, for all of your betting stats and sports info. You can find all of your latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including the basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sports wagering information from live betting, playoffs, esports, and more. You can probably go on BetOnline right now and have a look. What are the odds for the Milwaukee Bucks to win the NBA championship? That might sound stupid because they might have been eliminated by the time that this show goes to air, but I don't care. You can still go and check those odds maybe for next season. BetOnline is the site you need to go to to check more about the trends and the action. BetOnline is, in fact, where the game starts. After those blokes, it's a little rough. Patrick Connaughton, 164th ranked player. 26 minutes a night, in large part because of injuries to Lopez and absences for Drew and Giannis and, and Chris. He averaged 10 points with two threes. He got by on just being an unbelievable shooter this season. 
He shot 40% overall from three and 64 from two. They are super strong numbers. But like I said at the beginning of this show, he just comes in and fills his role. Doesn't really have fantasy appeal in most leagues. But as a three-point streamer, who when he's pushed into a 30-minute role because of an absence of Giannis, then you stream him in. And then you drop him after that. He's never going to push into a larger, consistent sort of role, I wouldn't have thought. Defensively, the advanced stuff wasn't as high on him this season. He's an okay player. I just That's how, who he is. He's okay. But turned himself into a very good and very reliable shooter. This bloke, I'd like to be... A, the Bucks would like him to be a very good and reliable shooter, but I'm not really sure he is. And that's Grayson Allen. Had so many opportunities this season. Probably too many, some might suggest. He started a lot. 171st ranked player. And at the start of the year when Drew was out and then Chris was out, he was putting up top 100 numbers. There was really no chance of that sticking, but that's the sort of guy that you, you run with that when it happens. And then when everyone got healthy, he played 23 minutes a night. He ended up playing 27 overall, 11 points, three rebounds. He hit two and a half threes. That's what he does. That's all, all he does. And nothing else was really that good apart from the free throws at 87%. He hit 41% of his threes. He's better than, say, like a three-point specialist, Doug McDermott. But he's not really a guy that who had the opportunities this year to elevate his game and be a 30-minute-a-night starter and didn't take it. Um, with no DiVincenzo to start the year due to injury and then no DiVincenzo later on due to a trade, Allen just sort of floundered. He didn't really step up into a big role. Not to say he was bad, but he was just okay. And I think he had the opportunity to do more and he didn't do it. From a fantasy point of view, I don't think he's ever going to be able to crack the top 100. He's already 27. Yeah, he's turning 27 in six months. So he'll be 27 next season. Um, I don't think you want to go into the season where you rely upon him for 30 minutes a night. And I just don't think there's a huge amount of upside with him. George Hill played a lot. He's 36 though. That's, a, that's old. 23 minutes, six points, two assists, three rebounds. 92 from the line. They just had to rely a lot on him. Defensively, he still holds up pretty well. The advanced stuff loves him defensively. Shooting-wise, hit his free throws really well. He's below average overall, though, from the field, and he's true shooting an E-field goal. Um, you don't want to have to rely upon your backup point guard being 36 years of age with a history of significant injuries like George Hill. And that's unfortunately where the Bucks are. When he plays, he can be really useful. But he doesn't play enough. Serge Barker. <clears throat> I look multiple back surgeries. I, I don't, I don't know where he goes from here. He's thirty three by the time next season starts. He averaged seven and five with 0.6 blocks. He showed a couple of little flashes at times, but ideally you don't want to have to rely upon him. Maybe he's a great third string center, and that'll be fine for the Bucks to bring him back on another veteran minimum or another team as a backup center on a veteran minimum, but. Most of the advanced stuff was pretty down on what Serge did this year. That ties into what I saw watching him as well. Um, I just, you know, you have, you're that age. You've had the back surgeries. You'd already were, you already were declining before that anyway. Um, it's, it's looking pretty ugly as to where it goes from here. <clears throat> let's do a little bit more positivity though. And let's talk about Jordan Wara. He played 62 games, 19 minutes. This is a bloke who really fired up in summer league. Put up some big numbers for Nigeria in the Olympics. Eight points, three and a half boards, <clears throat> 40 and 84. Like nothing overly spectacular there. But when he had the opportunity to step into larger roles, for the most part, he impressed. Now he's an absolutely horrific defender and he can have some terrible shot selection. 
His advanced numbers on Raptor are like embarrassingly bad. They're right down the bottom. They're, and, and even his, his EPM is really bad. His advanced stats are putrid. Like there is no escaping that whatsoever. Um, even his Darko is like really bad. I still think there is something, there's something here with Nwora who needs to iron out the inconsistencies. He needs to iron out some of the horrific shooting numbers. But when he started, he averaged 16, two and a half threes, six and a half boards, shot 43 and 89, including 42% from three on 17% usage. That's pretty solid. He got lost as a bench player, couldn't hit anything. But 16 and six, three threes, needs to work, needs a lot of work defensively and needs to understand that once the ball hits his hands, it is allowed to leave it to go to another teammate instead of just going up to the ring. Like he needs to understand that part of the game. But I would think, if I was the Bucks, that you would be hoping that he pushes Grayson Allen next year and means or makes it so that we don't need Wes Matthews or Javon Carter or George Hill. You would hope he can take that step forward. 320-odd ranked player this season. That's obviously shocking. But I think that if you're in a deeper dynasty, you take a crack and you think that, all right, heading into year three, he's going to be 24. We start to see some things iron out. And I wouldn't be surprised if he's got a two or three year span in his career where he's a starting player who plays 28 minutes and is a top 120 guy. I'm not confident on that, but if I look at like, hey, Ray John Tucker or Javon Carter or even probably Grayson Allen, I think Nwora's got a much higher upside than any of those guys and ability to get to that level. The rest of their roster, like Tucker, I don't really see it. Wes Matthews is a million years old. Javon Carter can provide really good on-ball defense, but the shooting and the offensive part of his game is just... Look, he shot 39% from three and 39% from two, which is just an unbelievable, like, I don't know, I don't know what to say. 35% at the rim, and he never got there. Like, offensively, he's just a disaster. And actually, the metrics hated him defensively as well. I know the Bucks liked him, but nothing really backs that up, apart from just saying we like him, you know, being tenacious. Thanasis is 30 years of age. I don't... He's obvi- obviously... He is only there because of his brother. And Lindell Wigginton played a little bit of a role on this team. But I don't need to talk about him. The other guy we do need to talk about is Sandro Mamakalashvili. 23 years of age. 10 minutes a game. He, he played some minutes. He played some roles. I didn't think he looked lost. He's got a long way to go. He was somehow in the zeroth. Zeroth? Is that a word? Zeroth? 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 Like, is that... Is that real? Like, he was shithouse is what I'm trying to say. Defensively, negative 4.3 EPM. But E-field goal percentage, really good. Hyper-efficient. He's a pretty strong rebounder. You would persist with him for another year to see if he can develop into a backup big behind Portis, behind Lopez, instead of Ibaka. I'm not writing him off completely. Some of his numbers in college were impressive. And I thought when he was on court, he was bad as a 50th pick in the second round, but not as bad as you might have thought. I thought he's better than Thanasis, to be honest. And that, guys, will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. If you're on YouTube, thumb it up, leave your comments down below, and I'll see you next week. Guys, thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.